Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to a very special episode of the podcast where we talk all things DNA testing and we have the experts on. Before we start, Jen, well, Ellen Trackman. I was saying, who are you if you're going to talk about DNA testing? Identify yourself in some way, shape, or form. says so much, but I'm here with Jennifer White. Uh, Jen, before we go into our interview, did you find anything interesting with your DNA testing, especially after doing this interview? We're like both looked back and we're like, hmm, interesting. I mean, I think when I saw it, I wasn't shocked by it in any way, shape or form, because I mean, anybody who's seen photos of us know that we're pretty pasty, white skinned, you know, (laughs) And we knew that our family had come over to the U.S. from England at some point in the past. So it matched pretty well what I thought. Um, What I found fascinating, and I'm spoiling your lead here, um, is that our numbers don't correlate. Yes. And I mean, we are definitely, you know, 100% full blood siblings and our numbers don't match. So well, what did you find surprising? I mean, that, so that as well, but they do, we were ruining this interview, right? But uh, we did, they do explain how like there's percentages of like accuracy, but it was right. interesting to see that I was like so much more Irish than you. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's like outside of the margin of error though, too, like 20% difference, like mm-hmm. huge, huge difference. Between our, I mean, okay, technically English and Irish, which we could have many conversations about the fact that they're all from the same island, (laughs) things like that. But it was fascinating. And that I have some level of Swedish lineage and yours doesn't show that at all. I know it did, though. That's I always I do say this in the interview that. Um, but it used to, that when it first came back, I was like, oh, the most fascinating part is this tiny, like one to 3% Scandinavian. And I went back into the app recently and it was gone. <laughs> I'm like no longer Scandinavian. So. Right. I'm like, but apparently I still am. So, you yeah, know, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Totally all good. But no, this was a fascinating and awesome interview and I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Welcome, Jane Eakins and Diane Southard from Your DNA Guide. Thank you guys for joining the podcast. Um, Let's start. Well, one, I just want to say how excited I am to have DNA experts on the show. As we were chatting beforehand, that just so many of our stories start out with someone saying, I took a DNA test for fun, and then dot, 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 this huge story, right? Um, But let's start by talking about each of your backgrounds and what led you to this expertise. Jane, do you want to start or Diane? Either one. Sorry. Yeah. So um, Jane and I have known each other since college, actually. And it was our college, I guess, research project that led us down this path. So Janie and I were involved in what was then called the Sorensen Molecular Genealogy Foundation, which was the very first effort to try to correlate DNA test results with family histories. So our goal in college was to collect samples from people all over the world, and then we could find out where the DNA intersected with their family history. And so we would travel on weekends. Janie and I often even traveled together to anywhere people would have us, 
actually. Interesting. Okay. Like yeah. people you knew or you would just show up someplace? No. So yeah. So they would set it up in advance. They would uh, contact the, the foundation and say, okay, we can gather 200 people together and we would show up and give a lecture. Essentially, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Do you guys want to volunteer? And Did people it have would to be volunteer. 200 related people or just no, 200 uh-uh. random people? Okay. 200 random people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Janie and I, like on weekends while other college students were, you know, partying or whatever, she and I would like get on a plane <laughs> and travel to nowhere, Louisiana and like give a lecture. And back then we were even drawing blood. Uh, so <laughs> it was yeah. a big deal to volunteer. You had to give a blood sample and a four generation genealogy. Like you had to know four generations of your family history to oh. even be part of the study. Really? That's a lot. It, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. But uh, people were excited about it. People, I mean, lined up with their sleeves rolled up, ready to donate. It was a really fun, fun time. Wow. And what did you discover from all of that? Well, we discovered you can do that. Uh, <laughs> you can track a person's family history by looking for specific kinds of DNA markers. And so essentially that foundation turned into um, a, a real company, right? A real company that was was researching and providing results. And that company was eventually sold to Ancestry.com and mm-hmm. became the foundation of their product. Wow. So at that point, um, Janie was off traveling the world, um, raising her family. I was also kind of at the beginnings of raising my family as well. And I didn't really want to work full time at that time. And so I ended up essentially going out on my own and creating your DNA guide, which became a service for people who were taking these DNA tests provided by companies like Ancestry and Family Tree DNA was another early adopter of this mm-hmm. technology. And people were getting tested because it seemed exciting. And then they were like, I have no idea what this is. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't know what to do. No, and I thought there's true. a right. And it's still true. And there's a huge education gap between what the company provides to you and what you can actually do with the results. And so that's oh. what we do here at your DNA guide. So eventually, as I built this company, I circled back to Janie and I was like, Hey, do you want to come work for me? And uh, she's such a talented writer. And she has such a sharp scientific brain, like of the people we hung out with in college, like she's the smartest, I mean, hands down. <laughs> yeah, nice. for sure. So I was like, hey, I'd love to have you come work with me. And so she's been doing some technical writing for our blog, mostly um, taking scientific articles that are being published, not directly about our industry, genetic genealogy, but that impact our industry about how DNA is analyzed, about how DNA is inherited and passed down. All of that has relevance to what we're doing. And so she kind of goes into the actual scientific literature and pulls out information that's relevant for us and really influences Ooh. a lot of our education that way. Interesting. So what is it, tell us the difference between when someone does a test and what that test is telling, like what they just see on the app or on the screen versus what they can use that to find. Uh, right. I feel like if so everybody much, knew right? the answer to this question, <laughs> it would like change their lives. Oh, because wow. Change our lives. Do it. Seriously? Change our lives. No, because you you get the test and you look at the results and 
first you probably go to the ethnicity, which is great. I mean, ethnicity results have improved so much in I mean, the last. I'm gonna I'm gonna just interrupt and say at first I had to go to make sure that my sister was listed because she spent the entire time before telling me that I was that I was adopted. So <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I just said that just was, to watch was, out. There's a lot of surprises. You never I, know. That was t- that was point one for me. Then I went to ethnicity. <laughs> okay, no, um, excellent point. Wait, right? Can Let's I make say sure. That, can yeah. I say my ethnicity just changed? So. I did yeah. one, so we, Dud and I did one and, with Ancestry, and I had like 3% Scandinavian, and my daughter was asking about it, and I went back to check recently, and that was gone. And I was like, I don't yeah. know what happened to that. So they're continually refining their methods, and as their database grows, they have a broader base to make those inferences from, and they send out updates every few months that give you a more precise, I would say, estimate of what your ethnicity makeup is. That was the most interesting part about it. (laughs) Something to know about those really small percentages as well is that they all come with, they're called confidence intervals. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of, you can see it right on your report and you'll see that, you know, the most likely amount is 3%, but really they're seeing a range of zero to 15% that you could Mm -hmm. be Scandinavian. But you know, it could be zero as, yeah. as well as three. So that's that's just something to keep in mind as you look at those reports. They're not like, you know, like 100% the truth that will never, ever change. Yeah. And I apologize. I just interrupted. So now we have to go back to, so yes. now everybody looks at their ethnicity. So now what, what can we learn from that? <laughs> okay, right. So, so from these ethnicity results, there actually are some significant clues to your family history, especially now, especially at two companies for certain, at Ancestry and at MyHeritage. They both have a really specific um, system for finding you particular groups that you belong to. So at MyHeritage, they're called groups and at Ancestry, they're called communities. And basically these follow migration paths of individuals over time and reveal to you kind of where your ancestors were within the last 200 years. So really recent time frame. whereas that Scandinavian that you may or may not have, that could be within the last 4,000 years, right? And so there's like kind of two parts to your ethnicity results now. There's these percentages that could be thousands of years old, like you could connect to that place in 4,000 years. And now there's this subset, this very specific group that defines where your ancestors were in the last 200 years. So for example, my mom's family, uh, they have a very specific history and migration path. They were in Germany. They migrated to the Ukraine for a couple generations. So they are called German speaking Russians. That's like the title that you give them. Okay. So then while they're living in the Ukraine, the Russian army wants to conscript all of them to fight for them. And they're like, hold up, we don't want to do that. So the whole lot of them, like almost the entire community of German speaking Russians in this area, pick up and move to North Dakota. What? Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's a really specific migration path that my ancestors took. And without like asking me, right, they're not looking at my genealogy. They are looking at my DNA and they're Mm. able to tell me that migration path. That's fascinating. It is amazing. This is what Janie and I dreamed about in the year 2000 when we were little lab rats working in a lab to try to make this possible. Like we thought we can do this. This is possible. And here it is. It's happening. So 
What about medical? What can you know or not know from these? Um, yeah, tell me. Tell, I don't know why I asked this question. I know I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was telling about a family member having Alzheimer's, and I was like, "Oh, I feel like I have it now. I can't remember anything." And she's like, "Just DNA test, and you'll know if you're inclined to have it." Is that is that something that you can do? Yes and no. Okay. So when these tests were first developed. Uh, by 23andMe specifically, they were the first ones to develop it. They they had to essentially use kind of existing technology. So the way the test is run, they're run on something we call a chip. So you can think of a chip like a microchip kind of, and you can think of the chip as having all these little dots on it that are like little flags that, that grab certain parts of your DNA to test, right? Okay, so the chip is super standardized. Like it's used kind of across the board, especially at the beginning of DNA testing. But the chip wasn't developed for genetic genealogy. The chip was developed for lots of industries, right? So the company that makes the chip isn't going to sell it just to us because we're this tiny little subsection of the industry, right? They're going to sell it to people who are researching all kinds of things, right? So the chip maker says, hey, buy our chip. You can test all of these different DNA markers, right? And so the chip had to be useful for other industries, including healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so when you take the DNA test, there are markers on the chip that test health information. They, they do because that's kind of what came out of the box, right? Now, yeah. as time has moved on, uh, companies have significantly customized their chips, uh, but they still do include health information. Most of the time, these companies are not reporting that health information. It's just being oh. gathered and it's just sitting around. They're not reporting it to you because that's not part of their product. It just happens yeah. to be on the chip, right? Hmm. Um, but as far as as DNA testing in healthcare goes, there's two main challenges. The first is that there is not one thing that causes Alzheimer's. It's not a, a mutation in one tiny little gene in your body, right? It is so complex yeah. that you have to test and track lots and lots and lots of markers in order to have the data that you'd need to predict a health outcome, right? Yeah. And the second is that genetics is only a very just one piece of your outcome, right? There's a lot of other factors that affect your health. And so companies are trying to help you by telling you what genetic markers you have. And some of them are very good at what they do, uh, but not all of them, essentially. Nice. Uh, so what do you guys do? Like, how does it work? What if a client takes the DNA test and they're like, okay, help me find more? How, how does that work? Yeah, so it's, we've got a lot of choices, a lot of options. So we have a book called Your DNA Guide, the book. And essentially, the book is for anyone who wants to find any ancestor, your parent, grandparent, great-grandparent, your three times great-grandmother. You want to find her, you can use the book, and I teach you kind of step-by-step -step how to do it. So it's kind of like a, a choose-your-own-adventure book. So mm -hmm. you start at the beginning, and I say, what kind of ancestor do you want to find? And you say, oh, I kind of want to find my two times great-grandfather. Okay. And then I say, turn to page 21. And then you do whatever's on page 21. And then I ask you, what do you have now? Do you have situation A? Then turn to page 43. Do you have situation mm -hmm. B? Then turn to page 27. And yeah. so then I kind of try to guide you through your results to find the person that you're looking for. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> um, and we have workshops as well, which essentially do the same thing, but, you know, now in kind of a more intense and 
video form and it's much more personable and much more hands-on than, you know, just reading a book. Uh, but that's, that's, and, and we meet together one-on-one with people. We call that mentoring. So if you kind mm. of have gone down the path a little bit and you're not really sure what you found, or you want to verify what you found, then meeting with us is a really excellent way to do that as well. Nice. Um, in terms of finding people, so I've, you know, I work a lot with, um, donor conceived people or people who are being donors or people who are conceiving with the help of donors. And, you know, we've certainly seen these misconceptions where they're still thinking some level of anonymity or an unknown relationship. And I've heard people say things like, oh, well, I'll never, like a donor, so I'll never do a DNA test so no one could ever find me. And we're just like, I don't think that's how it works. Like our understanding is like a third cousin can test and they can find you. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, this is such an important thing for people to understand and it has ramifications for our families, but for our immediate families, but also, as you said, for our extended families. So if my third cousin takes a DNA test and nobody else in our family, nobody takes a DNA test, but that third cousin, just that one person and someone matches that person, they would know that their common ancestor is a two times great grandparent couple. Okay. So like third cousins, you share a common ancestor with your third cousins in your two times great grandparents. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I find a third cousin on my match list, I can determine that our shared two times great grandparents are one of eight two times great grandparent couples. Okay. (laughs) So like if you picture your whole genealogy chart, okay, everybody has two parents. You got essentially two sets of grandparents. I always talk about relationships in terms of couples, right? Because it takes two to tango here. Okay. So we've got two grandparent couples. You have uh, the great grandparent level. There are four couples at the two times great grandparent level. There are eight couples. Okay. So when when you say two times, you mean a great, great, great grandparent. Is that what that means? Okay. Right. Okay. So, so it's, it's, it's important to realize that when you have one person that you have a relationship, you won't really know how you're related to them necessarily, unless you both have full genealogies and you can look at your genealogy and see the same couple. So with my third cousin, I would share a two times great grandparent couple. If we both have full pedigrees, Oh, I can see that it's that Josephine and Joe, and those are our shared ancestors and Mm -hmm. we would know our relationship, but it wouldn't tell me, about all of the descendants of Joe and Josephine, right? I don't, I won't know anything about them if no one else has tested. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? So it's not that it's going to reveal your entire life or family history. If, if one of your relatives tests, on the other hand, you get just a handful of people, maybe three third cousins or a third cousin and a second cousin or you know, any kind of combination of multiple relatives, we can Mm -hmm. begin to kind of whittle down relationships and identify individuals. And so there, there is no complete anonymity. It's like impossible to guarantee. Do you want to say that again? (laughs) For the the people in the back. For the people in the back. Yeah. (laughs) There is no guarantee of anonymity is impossible to guarantee in today's world of DNA testing. Yeah. 
a statistic that I read a couple of years ago in the New York Times is that um, approaching 80% of white people in the United States will be identifiable through public DNA databases. Like even if you haven't tested yourself, um, approaching 80% of the white population in the United States would be able to be identified through um, the genealogy connections in public databases. Wow. And this was proven, actually, there was there's a really cool article. Um, a reporter essentially looked around her office and said, I wonder how many of these people I could identify just through a DNA test, like figure out who they are. So she asked her office mates to submit a DNA test. And then she kind of blinded herself to who these people were. They all used, you know, fake names. Mm-hmm. And she went in and identified them. Like she identified, I think she identified I want to say 90% of them within like 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. And is it, are the statistics much lower for non-white populations? They are right now, mm-hmm. but it's, it's becoming more popular in other parts of the world and among other population groups. And so it, it will, I think eventually everybody will be in this category. Yeah. Um, so to ask this question, I have heard also people say, I would never DNA test, um, that's giving your information to the government. Why would you do that? What is your response to that? And I'm, I'm guessing it's along these lines of, it doesn't matter, right? If your third cousin did or two, a couple did, but what are your thoughts on people who are hesitant because they think there is this like giving of their personal information? I love that people think about this because I think it is important to talk about. And these are real concerns that all of us need to be addressing and thinking about. But to your point, yes, we'll probably be able to identify you anyway. But also, you can think of how many other ways are you giving up some personal private information for something that you want. So I have an app on my phone for my bank right? I do all my banking through the app on my phone and I love it. And I've given them a lot of personal access to my information to be able to do that. So I feel like DNA testing isn't that different or maybe not any different than a lot of other ways that we're completely giving up our privacy or private information for a convenience even. Yeah. Um, And of course there's the famous case of, the Golden State Killer that was found by DNA testing. So along those lines, do you see these databases being used more for like finding criminals? Oh, there, this is like a whole nother conversation. It's <laughs> <laughs> jumping around in all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of our, our concerns about things like this are because of unexpected situations like this that come up, right? Before the Golden State Killer, nobody had used this technology in this way before. And so then it feeds our fears. And we're like, oh, well, what other ways are they going to use our data that we didn't know about or whatever, right? And that's just part, in my opinion, of the modern world. There are a million different ways people are going to use our data in lots of different ways, some that we're going to agree with and some that we won't. And so the best way for us to protect ourselves is to really understand what we're agreeing to when we take a DNA test. So all of our companies have different sets of standards and values and what they're doing with your DNA and what they're not doing with your DNA. 
So I, I really encourage people who are taking DNA tests to actually read the terms and conditions to not just blindly click and say, yes, yes, yes. Just to get through the, the login process. And what, right? are there, what should they be looking for? Like what are differences between companies that are worth checking? Yes. There's really two kinds of consent that you give when you take a DNA test. The first kind is you can test my DNA. Like you have to check that box because that's why you paid them. Okay. But there's always a second consent. And the second consent usually has to do with what else they can do with your data. So it's a lot about um, contributing to research. So at 23andMe, for example, they are a known healthcare company. They want your data so they can do healthcare research. If you're okay with that, fantastic. Check the box. Let them use your data to forward science. If you're like, well, I don't really know if I want to be a part of every study that they're going to be a part of. <laughs> I'd rather not. Then just don't check that box. And then mm -hmm. your data does not go into this bigger pool of whatever the company kind of wants to do with it, right? So our other companies provide similar uh, options. They're not as involved in healthcare, but they could decide to be. In fact, both MyHeritage and Ancestry have dabbled in healthcare results. MyHeritage is still offering a healthcare product as well. Ancestry mm -hmm. has dropped theirs. I think it wasn't, you know, creating the revenue that they had hoped. But you know, the data is there. They can give you some health information if you want. So it, it's. The safest way is to A, use only trusted genetic genealogy companies. And in my opinion, that is 23andMe, Ancestry, MyHeritage, and Family Tree DNA to an extent. But Family Tree mm -hmm. DNA is very involved in law enforcement. So that's another decision that you need to make. Do you want to be involved in law enforcement? If you do, great. Then test with Family Tree DNA. Give them permission to use your results. Crimes, just exactly. Or leave, don't leave any blood behind or other things. <laughs> well, <laughs> but the thing is, right, it, even if your third cousin tests and you, you know, it, it's just like so, the technology is so good that even if you don't think you left any blood behind, mm -hmm. like you probably would still get caught, which mm -hmm. is, you know, again, good, bad, whatever. That's not like necessarily what I want to pass judgment on, but there are different other companies popping up all over the place asking for your DNA. Don't just randomly test with people, right? Understand who the company is and what their values are. Like my heritage and ancestry, they have said, we'll not be involved in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not going to do this. And they have the money to back up what they're saying, right? If, if somebody tries to sue them or whatever, they have a team of lawyers. They're a big enough company that they can stand up for themselves, right? Whereas these other little companies, if something happens, like they'll fold, right? They'll have to do whatever, you know? So it, it's, you just have to understand what the company is about and mm -hmm. make sure that you're choosing a company that fits best with your values. Nice. And, and that's, the if you use a smaller company, is that the big fear that they have to give up information, or what are the other fears about using kind of a non-known entity? Um, well, number one for me is that they're usually not legit. Mm, <laughs> like they oh, don't have enough data to tell you anything useful, and their database isn't large enough to have DNA matches that matter. Uh, a lot of them are doing things like. Um, mostly like health associations. So take our test and we'll tell you if you should eat gluten. And it's like, mm, oh, I kind of already it. know that about myself, you know? So, <laughs> well, you know, it's stuff like, like that. that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and is there shared databases? Like, are these big companies sharing information? Not exactly. Um, there is a transferring system. So you the only way you can get information from Ancestry is to physically test with Ancestry. But you can transfer your data, which essentially means you take the file that's generated when they do the test and you download it to your computer. And then you can go out to MyHeritage, for example, and you can upload it into MyHeritage and get some of their results for free. Oh. It's like a really good deal. <laughs> like free is a pretty good deal. So you can- Is that one of the things that you walk people through how to do? Because that seems yeah. like really important. Yeah. So that's just on our blog. Like you can just go to our blog and find out how to transfer your DNA test results. And it's really simple process. We walk you through it and then you can be in the MyHeritage database and they charge a, a like a $29 fee if you want to unlock some of the features that they offer. But you can get, you know, a DNA match list, just see your DNA matches for free, which is amazing. So wow. that is the best way to to combine, I guess, databases for yourself, test at multiple companies, but no, the companies themselves are not sharing data. Interesting. Wow. Can I just offer something really quick? Of course. Uh, um, I really appreciate the discussion about privacy and just about being prudent with, you know, with the thinking through in the future, what might be done with our DNA. And I'd also like to offer your listeners that it's, really okay to have a sense of awe about this because it is truly amazing. It's a, it's amazing to be able to make these connections with other people that would be impossible otherwise. And there are a lot of people out there that don't, you know, make it into the news because they're just having really positive experiences um, connecting with birth parents or with other, other family and making, um, just really enriching relationships that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. So that's kind of the other side of the coin, you know, there's risk and there's also, there's also great benefit that many people are, are really glad they did it. And I tend to kind of be in the category of, you know, just being in awe and also, I get a lot of fulfillment out of participating in something that um, lays the foundation for, you know, better technology and better advances that my children might benefit from later. And um, that's that's just it's OK to, you know, if you find yourself kind of being an idealist, you have permission to do that, to just, you know, have like a, a cautious, but, you know, also sense of faith that. You know, I think these companies are trying to do right by me, not necessarily like, um, you know, take everything that I have and um, leave me in the leave me in the gutter. Um, I think the people that are running this are are generally like have their heart and their mind in the right place in that way. It is very true that nobody, you know, good news stories don't necessarily make the news. <laughs> it's not as much fun to report on, you know, right? boring All these fun people stories. are happy. They did something right? fun and good. <laughs> not as fun. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, my mom, she was adopted. We found her biological mother's family using DNA testing. And it has been the most incredible experience for our family and connected us in a way that we never anticipated was possible. And I know that there are so many stories like ours that connect people. I mean, I've helped hundreds 
of family history researchers find they're two times great grandparents, you know, people who aren't even, you know, immediate family members, and it has changed their lives. It has changed them because they feel a connection. And as human beings, it is one of our like primal urges to be connected with each other. It is in in and around us. We desire it. We need it. And so DNA testing provides us with a way to do that that is tangible, that is, you can see that I am connected to you, even siblings, like who I've, I've had stories of, of siblings who have not gotten along and they both took a DNA test, like independent of each other. And they see each other on a DNA match list. They see how much DNA they share. And they're like, wow, that's right. We're the same. We, we come from the same people. Why are we fighting? Oh, I, love I just that. think there's so much power in that. Jen, right? Are you listening to that? <laughs> are we fighting? I had no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really love that, and I love Jane. I love your glass, you know, half empty or full. You know, the really looking at the amazement of what this can do. And um, I apologize for like focusing on these like negative parts and questions. Uh. And I'm going to do it again. So I'm sorry again. Uh, so of course, you know, we, we have all these stories of people who are just find out information that's really life shattering or very shocking to them where it's an unexpected parent. And I will say even uh, yesterday I had a new story sent to me where the story starts as usual, where we just thought it'd be fun to do a DNA test. And this family in Utah found out that one of their children dad was not genetically related to to their second son and that instead this family that was going through IVF the same on the same day um, who now lives in Colorado their the father of that family was genetically related to their son that there was somehow somehow a mix-up um, and that family has been amazing like it sounds like everyone's like, trying to build healthy relationships and just be like, you have half brothers out there and been as positive as possible, but really, really shocking and unexpected. Um, I, I don't like how to phrase it. Like, how do you help so many people who are so surprised by what they're finding? Yeah. I think the first thing that I always try to do is just, you know, sit with them and feel it and just be like, yeah, that is shocking. And that turns your world on its side and it changes how you see yourself. Then I always follow that with, but why did it? And people like, well, of course, it's so obvious. Like my dad isn't my dad. The guy I grew up with my whole life, he's not biologically related to me. And I'm like, okay, does that change the football games he came to? Mm. Does that change the, the birthday presents that he gave you? Does that change? What does it change? I'm going to start crying. I know, right? right? <laughs> what, honestly, though, and, and, and I think when you, when you let people feel, first of all, because you got to get through that, that's, that's hard emotion. But then in the end, when you actually think about it, what does that change? Biology is not relationship. Memories, moments, time, experience, that's relationship. Now, biology is a piece of that. And, and I don't, obviously, I love DNA. and I think it does connect us physically in a way, but it is not a relationship. There are tons of people who are biologically related who have no relationship, right? right? So it, 
you just really have to take a step back and ask yourself, why do I feel like this, that I'm not the same person I was five minutes ago before I knew this? Why does it make me feel so different? And it, it really comes down to that. And I've tried to like figure out how this happened. I feel like DNA is like the best at marketing that I, mm-hmm. like if I could copy DNA's ability to market itself as the number one indicator of relationship, like all of us think that we all think that DNA is somehow the number one stamp of approval on our relationships. And it's just not true. How did it weasel its way into that, <laughs> that place in our lives? Like, how did it do this? Like I said, if I could figure out the marketing strategy of DNA, I would be a really successful company. <laughs> but literally, why? How, how does it deserve to be the way we define relationships? It shouldn't be. It's part of it. It's a piece of it. But I mean, the person I'm most close to in this life is my husband, and I'm glad I'm not biologically related to him because that causes problems. But I wasn't going to ask if you were. But. Right? I know. But seriously, am I going to say that we don't have a relationship? Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? Right. And I, I really love that perspective because I've heard both sides where it's DNA is everything or DNA is nothing in you know, the answer is a little bit, it's, it's both, right? It's relationships, but also DNA is amazing. So, but you said it better. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. Um, what else for someone who's thinking about taking a DNA test, or DNA test or has taken one, do you think is important for them to be thinking about or to know? What have we not touched on? Do you think that you would like to, to put out there? I think about if you're, if you're thinking about doing DNA testing, wondering if it's a good step for you. Um, I think we've already touched on it a little bit, but number one is you need to really be ready to know because you're going to find out. Right. If you're wondering, is my dad really my dad? Because, well, like you guys said, my sisters told me my whole life I'm adopted. Like I did, you know, as part of part of that before we took it, I said, Dad, I yeah. took this test. Is there anything you want to tell me right now? <laughs> I mean, I was joking, <laughs> but you know. And I will say all all aside that that was a joke that we we do know. <laughs> we do know beforehand. So we look alike, we sound alike. Yeah, no, we knew. <laughs> right. Yeah. But But seriously, like you said, so many people are so blindsided because they didn't do that thought work beforehand. Like everybody thinks it's not going to be me, you know, and, and it is a lot of times you. And so I think just understanding beforehand, this is a real possibility in my family that I will find out things that I didn't know before and to decide with your family, even how am I going to handle that? Like I really encourage a lot of people in the genealogy industry have their older relatives take the test. Their older relative doesn't really care. They don't do computers, whatever. And I always advise them before you get them to take the test, say, hey, if I find out something unexpected, do you want to know? And a lot of times they'll say, no, I'm totally happy in my ignorant bliss. Don't tell me anything. Or they'll say, yeah, actually, I would like to know. And then when you come to that point where you find out something surprising, you know exactly what to do. They don't want to know or they do want to know, but at least you had the conversation and you're ready to talk about it. No, that's good advice. 
Um, well, we so appreciate you coming on and sharing this amazing expertise. Again, we've had so many interesting stories and it's here. It's so fun to hear kind of the background and what's possible and to really let people know that so much is possible, but also to remind them, I just feel like your message was so important that yes, you found out this new information, but what does it change? So I love that so much. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, we look forward to keeping in touch and we will link to, to you guys and to your resources so people can, can be able to see those. Thanks, Ellen and Jen. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having us. We're, we're always glad to talk DNA. Thank you, Jane and Diane, for coming on. Um, so much expertise, such a great resource. We are excited to share this with the rest of the world and so hope that for those with any interest, you'll check out their resources, their book, their blog, um, even just like the free resource of how you can upload data to other other companies, other databases I can't wait for to try free. That. It's amazing. I know. Yeah. I'm excited so to try that. We are so um, appreciative of you. Yay, family, both chosen and genetic. So hooray. <laughs> Um, huge thank you to our our chosen crew who takes very good care of us as well Um, thank you to Amanda to Tyler to Melissa and of course to Chris at work at Bird Studios who small shout out you know on the sly quiet yay for new ventures congratulations Chris we're we're rooting for you I mean we know that you're still helping us so also yay and thank you for sticking with us (laughs) Um, but Thank you also to all of you who listen and to go who go to iTunes and give us a, a nice little shout out there and our lovely reviews. Uh, you can always keep doing that. And we appreciate you. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Bye.